Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Milo. We're starting a new series today called Songs of Christmas. And so uh, uh, throughout the month, we'll be spending time in different Christmas carols that you've heard before, that you've spent time with before, uh, and talking about their theological impact and those type of things. So we figured it would be a good way to start this morning. So if you know the song, as I begin, you just jump in at any time you start singing along, all right? Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, Jacob he had Judah and his kin. Whenever you're ready, just jump in. Then Perez and Sarah came from Judah's woman, Tamar. Perez he brought Hezron up and then came. Aram then Abinadab, then Nashtin, who was then the dad of Salmon, who with Rahab fathered Boaz. Ruth, she married Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse. Jesse, he had David, who we know as king. So far, so good. Here we go. David, he had Solomon by then Uriah's wife. Solomon, well, you all know him. He had good old Rehoboam, followed by Abijah, who had Asa. Asa had Jehoshaphat, had Joram, had Uzziah, who had Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Followed by Manasseh, who had Amon, who was a man, who was father of a good boy named Josiah, who grandfathered Jehoiakim, who caused the Babylonian captivity because he was a liar isn't entirely true, but it does rhyme. <laughs> and he had Shealtiel, who begat Zerubbabel, who had Abiyad, who had Eliakim. Eliakim had Azer, who had Zadok, who had Achim. Achim was the father of Elihu then. He had Eliezer, who had Mathan, who had Jacob. Now listen very closely, I don't want to sing this twice. Jacob was the father of Joseph, husband of Mary, the mother of Christ. All right. Good morning once again. We're so glad you're here. Would you open your Bibles this morning to Matthew Matthew chapter 1, Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bibles in front of you, uh, that is on page 1007. So Matthew chapter 1, beginning on page 1007, if you're using that New International Version in front of you, if you want to follow along with uh, a digital version, U version, or another one, uh, we're in the New International Version this morning, Matthew uh, chapter 1. And you just see there, there's the genealogy, the genealogy just saying. Uh, and then we go into after that, verse 17 of Matthew chapter 1 says this, Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus and the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what she conceived is in her from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, many of your Bibles, if you have a study Bible, have different uh, markings there, it'll tell you where that uh, came from, what chapter that came from the book of Isaiah. If you want to flip over there quickly, you can. I'll just read it to you, though. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this verbatim, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Hundreds and hundreds of years before this New Testament writing. Exactly the words that we read. So continue there in Matthew chapter 1. So what's Joseph's response? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to this son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is our backdrop this morning of where we're going to start and be able to look at uh, this word Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Nazareth was a tiny little village. Uh, It was one that's not really even identified in the Old Testament whatsoever. It's not one that we know anything about without this New Testament story. It's a popular tourist attraction now that people will go there where they believe at the home of Joseph and Mary were, uh, located in the lower Galilee, about halfway between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. Nazareth is this spring well, just one well in this town, in this village, that is why there was a city center there. I'm overstating it to say that there was a city center. I mean, it was literally one water source, and people began to gather around there. The Church of the Annunciation stands there today as a place that you can visit or look up on Google Maps to be able to find out where is this location, Nazareth, where they lived. If you can imagine the poverty that uh, was all around them, the the idea that there was uh, not much there, and the idea that what good could ever come out of Nazareth, as the leaders and the teachers of the day would say later about Jesus. But no doubt Mary is, is there and she's reading through the scriptures just like all of the other Hebrew children would be taught the scriptures. And they read this line, a virgin will conceive, and she had no idea that this was about her. Isaiah says that his name would be called Emmanuel, which translation means God with us. O come, O come. Emmanuel surely was the cry that rose continually from the hearts of people there in Nazareth. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We have been waiting. There's been 400 years of silence where we've not heard from God at all. We've not heard anything of what he is going to do. We've not heard anything about how he is going to send this deliverer. The virgin will conceive. We've heard nothing. O come, O come, Emmanuel. If you've got that white sheet of paper that came in your bulletins this morning, it's just an outline for you to, be able to track along where we're going this morning. Here's your first fill-in for you. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. This is talking about the Trinity all the way back there in creation story. So that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man or mankind, humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created 
them. Emmanuel, God with us. Why would God create man? Why would he go through the trouble of doing so? Did he suddenly become bored with the angelic beings that were all around him? These these beautiful beings that were there worshiping him, glorifying him. They existed to fulfill his wishes, to carry out his commands, to do his bidding. But he desired a creature, humankind, who would have a different type of relationship. And so he created man and woman. He created them. And he took great pains in planning for this creation. He chose the earth that he created as the staging area. He brought light and outer dark, from outer darkness, and he, he took it from chaos and brought it into order. He created the garden of indescribable beauty, and then he made Adam. He made them at the apex of all that he had created. He made Adam and Eve, and he made Adam complete when he took from his rib and fashioned Eve to be his wife. Yet the real mystery of Adam and Eve is that he gave them moral freedom, and he gives you and I the moral freedom to choose him if we want to, to worship him. The freedom of will make it possible for us to know and communicate back and forth and understand the very will of God. God allows human beings to have this very unique and specific relationship with himself, to choose to obey him, to choose to reject him if so, or go our own way. God became the God of many names. In the Old Testament, we hear many of these names. In the beginning, we know him as Elohim, the majestic God of creation. When he comes seeking sinful people, he became known as Yahweh, the God who longs to establish a covenant relationship. When Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, God refused to give up on mankind. And so we learn of Emmanuel, God. We must start there, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That's your second fill-in this morning. In the Luke account, in Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. This virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's your second fill-in for you this morning. God with us. The Lord is with you. This Christmas season oftentimes is a magnifying glass. What I mean by that is if you have a a great home uh, situation, if you have a, a wonderful family, the magnifying glass brings all of that to life. When all the family and friends come in, it's just a beautiful thing. If your church is a healthy place where you want to interact with people, you bring that magnifying glass and everything just seems to come even more beautiful and more exciting, the relationships even stronger. But it's also a magnifying glass if you're going through grief. It's also a magnifying glass if you are going through a divorce. It's also a magnifying glass if you're going through deep pain and deep hurt. You look around and all of a sudden it seems like everyone else has something positive going on and your thing is magnifyingly bad. God with us. Some of you need to hear this morning that God is with you right now. God is with us. For those of you who are hurting, God is with you right now. 
God is alongside of you. He is one who is called to minister in your times of trouble. Meaning in the most beautiful of pictures, our God comes alongside of us when we are going through the most difficult of possible things we could go through. God is with us. God is with you. Again, many of you probably believe that intellectually, but we're not living lives that actually would show that we believe that. Some of you don't believe that at all. Some of you may be here this morning and say, that's nice, but God is somewhere very far away and is not anywhere near me right now. The season that I'm going through right now, God is not close. God is not reachable. God is seemingly untouchable. God is with us. The angel tells Mary, young Mary, he says, do not be afraid. God is with you. The Lord is with you. There's a lot of different ways we could talk about what fear does to us, but in, but in a very like jovial way to be able to talk about it. You, you have kids, you know that if you take your kids somewhere to see a mascot or see uh, Santa Claus or see someone that they should be really, really excited about, and, and they, they say, Dad, Dad, I'm scared. <laughs> and you try to take them over, there, you, you're dragging them to Santa Claus. I mean, there's hundreds of pictures all over the internet of kids crying and scared to death of Santa Claus. But they waited for two and a half hours. I just want to see him. And then they get there, and they're gone. They're hiding behind you. They're, pull, like, they're just gone. God is with you. There's a movie that came out, I don't know, about two years ago called The Greatest Showman. It's something that our family loves. Uh, but there's the, the great circus entertainer is there in the center of the ring, and he's, he's in control of everything. We were watching Good Morning America one time. I think it was last Christmas we were watching it. And someone, this family had waited in, uh, they're in the plaza waiting to get on television. And their son, who was four years old, was decked out to the T's. I mean, he looked like the greatest showman. He had all of the character, all of the uniform, all of the suit. And the actor who played that was there on the show that morning. And so as they're moving through the plaza, like this is his icon. This is his moment. And he scoops him up on television and says, he's the greatest showman. And the kid flipped out. And you know that that mother and that father, they got there, you know, nine hours in advance, paid $3,000 to stand in the street and freeze to death. I go, what is the matter with you, kid? And any other words that may have come out of their mouth. Do not be afraid, the Lord is with you. In each of those situations, as a father, as a mother, what do you generally do? You take that child's hand and says, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'm not afraid of that mascot. I'm not afraid of Santa Claus. I guess I'll sit on his lap too. I mean, whatever this is going to take. I am with you. We got to understand that God of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God, He is with you, and that changes everything. If you are hurting and you are feeling alone, He is your friend. When you're in the middle of the trial, He is your comforter. As you are, when you are weak and you feel like you cannot go forward, He is your strength. When you're lost in your sin and you are separated from the Holy Father, Jesus Christ is with you. He connects you as your Savior. God with us. God is with you. That's your first fill-in in this section. God is with you. 
You next fill in Emmanuel, God with us. God was with you. God was with you. In the past, we, we have this opportunity when we go through life and, and you can use the pictures and go, go through a photo album or use your phone and go through what's happened over the last year, the last five years, or the last 10 years. There's something about life. When you look in the rear view mirror, you realize the way God has been at work in your life in a way that you don't see with nearly the clarity as you're taking the steps forward. You look back over your life and you realize that God has been at work. We're talking here about the New Testament Joseph. It's a different Joseph. In the Old Testament, the Joseph of of many colors. We get this description of Joseph all the way through the book of Genesis and the way that he can look back at his life and be able to see that God was with him. In Genesis chapter 39, he looks back over his life and says this in verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The Lord was where? The Lord was with him. He was with Joseph right where he was, right in that prison cell where he was unjustly thrown into prison. When you look back, he was there just like he was with Joseph. When I look back, when you look back in your life, you see it. But when I, look at, when I look back, it seems like with great clarity, I can look at different moments in our lives where it seemed like we were alone and yet God was right there in the middle of it. Our anniversary is this time of year. And so uh, just after Christmas, we got married. And then uh, we went on our honeymoon. We came back. And I kid you not, I was in the military. We had been married for less than three weeks when I got orders that said I would be leaving and going to Japan for three years. That was a mean trick, I'll tell you what. Let me even clarify that. If I went alone, I could go for a year after being married three weeks. But now that I was married, I would have to sign up for three years in order to go and take my wife with me. God was with us in that. I got orders after I had been out of the Marine Corps for for almost four years. It was, again, about a three-year mark. I had been out. I had been free and clear. I was a free man. And then... The ramp-up happened in early 2000s as we were sending troops to Afghanistan and sending troops to Iraq. I got called back after being out for three years. I didn't realize they could call you back and put you active duty just like that. But God was with us in that. When our son Josiah was born with only three chambers in his heart, and we went through the, the thinking of, okay, so you guys will patch that up and we'll go on with life. And they said, no, 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 no. This will never be right. God was with us in that. And then about a year later, when for whatever reason, it only happened about three or four days of his life that Aaron or I was not next to his bed, next to his side, and we were 200 miles away, that was the morning that Josiah passed away. But God was with us. God is with you. God was with with you. Emmanuel, God with us. You can probably figure out the next fill in. God will be with you. If you want to think about this little girl, Mary, no matter what you're going through, God will be with you. Think about what she's going through. She's a teenage girl. Imagine if she could see the future. When the angel says, the Lord will be with you, imagine if she could have seen it. Now, we know that she can't see. We know that that none of us have that ability. But if she was able to look forward, if she can see what's going on, this is what she would have to say. God will be with me 
when I, conceive, when I conceive this child through the Holy Spirit. And God will be with me when I tell Joseph. And God will be with me when the angel says in the dream, you will have to go. And, and, and Joseph's not going to freak out. And God will be with us when we travel on a donkey's back for more than 100 miles while pregnant because of the census. And God will be with us when there is no room for us at the inn. And God will be with us when we have to give birth to this new baby, the Savior of the world, in a stable surrounded by farm animals. And God will be with me when I am trying to be on the run and running to Egypt to save the life of my child because all firstborn children are being killed all around us. And God will will be with us when my son is sitting in the temple at 12 years old and talking back and forth with the teachers of the law, and he says, I'm about my father's business, and God will be with me at the wedding feast when they will run out of wine, and I will see this boy turn water into wine as his first of many, many miracles. And God will be with me when I see that son falsely accused and put on trial and persecuted. And God will be with me when I see that son hung on a cross to suffer brutally abused for your sin and for mine and for all mankind. And he would die there on the cross as the stakes are driven into his hands, into his feet, and the spear into his side. God will be with me, Mary. When he looks up into heaven, he says, it is finished. And God will be with me when the earth goes dark, when the sky tears apart and the veil is torn in two. And God will be with me on night number one when it seems like all hope is lost. And God will be with me on night number two when it doesn't seem like any of this makes any sense. And God will be with me night number three when the darkest of all dark is there. But God will be with me come resurrection morning. God will be with me on the third day when the stone is rolled away and the tomb was empty and he is not there because he has risen. Why? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is God who was with us. He is God who will be with us no matter what you are going through. Say this with me. God is all right, I know we're tired. we got a lot of things going on today. My fingers are still cold from being outside in the weather yesterday. We'll get through it. All right, with me. All right, you ready? God is. God was. God will be with us. God is. God was. God will be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We can imagine God with his angelic creation, the, the, the ones that are so perfect, these celestial creatures. We can even understand why God would be able to relish being in the midst of the creation of all the beautiful things that he has been able to create, why God would enjoy that. But with us, Adam wouldn't follow the rules. Eve seemed like she had something else up her sleeve. What is going on with these people? Why would God want to be with us? King David in the, in the book of Psalms 
kind of talks about this question even in his own heart. With total perplexity and frustration, in Psalm chapter 8, he writes this. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is man that you would be mindful of him? The son of man that you would even care for him. God with us. Human logic cannot possibly fathom this relationship between a perfect, all-righteous, holy God and the sinful people to your right and to your left, the sinful people with a bullseye directly on your own forehead. God with us. They were returning home on the afternoon of the third day after Jesus' death. They did not know that he had risen from the grave. He had appeared to his disciples in a closed and locked room in Jerusalem. But these men, they were sad. They were defeated. They were going home to pick up the broken pieces of their life. They had, they had followed this Jesus, and now he was dead. Their hopes had been vested in this Jesus and his way of life, in the gospel that he taught. They had believed with all their hearts that he was the Messiah. But now he had been brutally crucified by the Romans. Mario, if you'll come up. Suddenly, it says, suddenly as they walked along through a dark cloud of sorrow and disappointment, suddenly the risen Christ begins to walk with them. He falls in step along with them. He was alongside of them. And the earliest Old Testament scriptures had prophesied about him, his coming, and has shared with them all of the promises. He talked through all of these promises of the coming Messiah, and he was with them. And when they had eaten with him, and they had gone from their homes, and he had vanished from their sight... He said to his friends, he said, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road? Friends, Emmanuel, God with us. When it comes to this true meaning of Emmanuel, God strikes home to us. We realize that our hearts will be ablaze as well. Revelation 1.8 says this, I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who what? Who is and was and who is to come. The Almighty. This sermon is built around the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's the oldest of our Christmas carols that we sing today. The authors unknowns believe that he was a priest or a monk. It was written first in Latin before 800 A.D. He had a rich knowledge of the Old and New Testaments. But in this universal way, that his faith is being represented in this character. It ceased being a hymn only sung by people in that area, but it began to be translated to English and to Spanish and to all languages all around the world. And most Christian denominations in the world use this song. Originally, it contained seven different verses. And tradition would be that they would sing one verse for the seven days leading into Christmas. Christmas. 